Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. So there's a whole lot of different kinds of things to consider, and we'd like to have this be a good eclectic sampler, but to have every single article in it be something that anybody interested in history might pick up and say, oh, that's kind of cool. That's managing editor Don Hegist discussing some of the new changes coming up at the Journal of the American Revolution, as well as the release of the 2023 annual volume. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is sponsored by the Small Battle Series, with two new releases, The Battle of Musgrove's Mill, 1782, by John Buchanan, and The Battle of Harlem Heights, 1776, by David Price. Available now wherever books are sold. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Managing Editor of the Journal of the American Revolution, Don Hagist, and he'll be sharing with us some of the exciting new information and news coming out of the website's future. Every year, the Journal of the American Revolution takes its most thought-provoking and popular articles and compiles them into an annual volume. Year after year, it's one of the highlights of my reading year. Uh, And it's a wonderful collection of really good scholarship, very cutting edge in the field of the American Revolution. We here at the Journal of the American Revolution just love it. And our 2023 annual volume has just been released, and it's available now for purchase. On top of that, the Journal of the American Revolution is getting maybe something of a facelift. The website's going to be faster, more user-friendly, and most importantly, much more easily searchable to find topics and articles on any number of Revolutionary War subjects. It's really something. I can't wait for you to see it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Don Hagist. Don Hagist, welcome back. Thank you. Really glad to be here, Brady. Don, talk a little bit about your affiliation with the Journal of the American Revolution. Okay, well, I am the managing editor of the Journal of the American Revolution, Um, The journal is, as you know, a web magazine, and we publish three or four articles every week. Um, Often that includes a book review. We publish factual material about the American Revolution. We don't deal with current events or historiography, you know, how the revolution has been studied through the years or um, how it influences things today. We try to focus on what actually happened? What do we really know? What do we not know about what actually happened during the time period? And if people want to interpret that for their current needs, they're welcome to do that. But we take the approach where if you're going to interpret things about the American Revolution, it helps to have the facts straight first. (laughs) So that's what our focus is. And as the managing editor, we accept contributions from writers, as long as they are based heavily on primary sources, 
So you have to focus your writing on what do we really know from things that were written down during the time period. And I just edit them the way an editor does. Some people are very good writers and might just need a little bit of formatting and some punctuation changes. Other people will have a good kernel of a story, but they're not always very good at telling it in a nice, concise and I'll say web-friendly way. We look for articles that run no more than 4,000 words, including the footnotes, because we expect a shorter attention span on the web. And, uh, and we want our writers to not do a lot of formatting. You know, word processes are great because you can make things look oh so good on the page. But the journal is a web publication. People are going to be reading it on giant monitors, and they're going to be reading it on cell phone screens. So... Just because it looked really good on your screen doesn't mean it's going to look good when we get it. So it's like, don't don't try to format. Focus on making the content really accurate. Um, so in my role, I get the submissions and I get to decide what works for us and what doesn't. Um, you know, we don't accept everything that people send to us, of course. But the things that do get accepted get some amount of grooming and sometimes there's some back and forth with the contributor. Sometimes we just say, Hey, this is great. It's good to go. And I send it on to our publisher. Um, the journal is a subsidiary of West home publishing, which is a book publishing company. They have a really great catalog of revolutionary war era history books, as well as other history books too. And they, tries to focus on um, the publisher selects good quality history, often about um, aspects of different wars that are not well known. And it's not all wars either. My own interest is military history. So I tend to notice those titles, (laughs) but they're not all military, but um, aspects of history that are really interesting, but maybe not as well covered in the literature already. And then the publisher makes the decisions about what to put on the web and when things go up and what have you. Don, could you talk about the role of the annual volume for the Journal of the American Revolution over the last few years? Oh, yeah, and that's a great question. As I said, West Home Publishing is a book publishing company that also owns this web magazine called Journal of the American Revolution. Well, there is no hard copy issue of the magazine. It's a web magazine, but the book publisher knows people love history books. A few years ago, people were talking about, oh, wow, it's all going to be eBooks now. Everything's going to be eBooks. And what some publishers have found is that just isn't true. People still love good hard copy books for some genres, usually the kind of material that people like to keep and refer back to and read over and over again. So we found that there was a publication niche for a compilation of selected articles that have been published online during the previous year to be compiled into a neat book and then released the the following year as our Journal of the American Revolution annual volume. Um, the fact that there's been successful and people like it is that we just released the 10th or maybe it's the 11th. I'd have to go on the shelf and count them again. Annual volume 
again, it's compiled from the articles that have been published online during the previous 12-month period, and we select usually about 20 to 30% of those articles for the annual volume. And it's a really nice hardcover book. I'm, I'm holding the current one right now. It's 350 pages long. It's nicely indexed, and it's got a great sampling of the articles from the journal. Don, how does one get their work selected for such an honor as inclusion in this published volume? It's a good question, too, and a lot of our authors ask that. And I have to say that there's a little bit of it that we like to keep in terms of secret sauce because we don't want authors to write articles for us with the explicit intention of trying to get into the annual volume. It's like write what you know and write what you feel needs to get out there and when it gets on the web, it will get an enormous amount of readership. So it doesn't need to go in the annual in order to get readers. But for the annual, we can only put in, as I said, maybe 20 to 30% of the articles we publish during the year. We, we put about anywhere between 150 and 200 posts per year. And we choose at the maximum about 40 of those to go into the annual volume. It's not easy to choose. We do filter some things out straight away, like book reviews and um, visits to historic sites. We love those for the online journal. But if there's anything in the content that is liable to go stale in the coming years, we usually choose not to put it in the annual volume. So the first thing that an article needs is staying power. And, you know, a review of a book published last year may not be so interesting for somebody to read if they pull this volume off the shelf 15, 20, 30 years down the line. Um, same for an article about a visit to a nice historic site. Well, again, decades in the future when this annual volume is still on somebody's shelf, uh, there may have been so many changes at that historic site that the article is no longer relevant. But the material based on primary sources about what actually happened during the American Revolution, that's never going to change. It's possible that new information will come to light in the future, but hopefully if the articles are well written and based on facts, they won't be wrong. They'll just be, okay, somebody could write something more elaborate. So the first thing we look for is does it have staying power? The second thing we look for is does it cover some topic that's really going to be interesting in the long term. I mean, hopefully they all are, but we look for articles that might have a fairly broad interest. Um, we publish all kinds of articles, and sometimes the focus of individual ones is pretty narrow. Say an article about how government bonds were um, matured and how the war was financed. Sometimes those things get so specific that we think, yeah, it's a good topic. It's great people know, but it doesn't need to be in the annual. Um, we also look a lot at having a diverse suite of content in each volume. So we want to have a few things about the political history behind the war and we want to have a few good things about famous personalities during the war. We want to have a few articles about obscure personalities during the war. We want to have some articles that are relevant to women's studies, 
to racial studies, Native American and African American studies. We want to have some articles about battles and military studies. Um, so there's a whole lot of different kinds of things to consider, and we'd like to have this be a good eclectic sampler, but to have every single article in it be something that anybody interested in history might pick up and say, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't have to be somebody who studies the demographics of the British military to find this one five-page article on the subject kind of interesting. It opens my eyes to it. And then I turn the page and here's an article about a, a battle. Maybe it's one I never even heard of, or maybe it's a specific event that incident in a battle that's really well known. And then I turn the page and, oh, golly, here's something about George Washington's interactions with one of his aides de camp and some little nuanced things that happened because of it. Look for that kind of eclectic content that gives a little bit for everyone in the annual volumes. Don, what are some of the more interesting articles that you have in store for us this year in the 2023 edition? Oh, boy. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the volume right now, and it, it's funny because I – I put a lot of work into this. Um, something I didn't mention before was that it, I don't choose the articles myself. We have an editorial board of a half a dozen people and we all pick and choose which ones we like best. And we have discussions about it and we decide and it takes a while to distill this content. Um, but once we get it sorted out, I'm looking at the annual now and what I see is, Oh, well, there's a couple of really neat articles here about, interactions between British colonists and the Native Americans in the years before the American Revolution began. Um, here's an article about Benjamin Franklin's marriage and how it was unconventional compared to a lot of other marriages. Um, oh, and then there's an article about Mercy Otis Warren and some of the influence and some of the writing that she did. Right after that, there's an article, it's a demographic study of the British soldiers who marched from out of Boston and went to Concord on April 19th, 1775. Who were those people really? What what kind of ages and military experience did those soldiers have? Things like that. Um, the next article after that is about an African-American Minuteman who was in the American Revolution. So it goes on and on. There's a couple of articles about different details on George Washington. There's an article about a... Um, a woman colonist who was has spent several years with Native American tribes. There's a few articles about the plight of different loyalists. Again, a nice eclectic sampling of all sorts of things that happened during the period we cover, which typically is from around 1765 to around 1805, and sometimes even things earlier if they had a strong influence on the revolution. Um, British views of George Washington, um, natural history in revolutionary and post-revolutionary America, um, the very first impeachment trial in the new United States, which happened in the years shortly after the American Revolution. These are just a sampling of the kinds of things in this volume. Don, talk about the uh, major changes coming to the Journal of the American Revolution website. Uh, it's something of a pretty substantial facelift we can yes um the website we have right now was designed about 10 years ago it's been pretty effective but it hasn't really changed very much and of course when you have something good you don't need to change it 
But we've also learned that it could be a little more user-friendly in some different ways. So we've tried to make the home page a little clearer in exactly what the new articles are and the latest articles are, and make it easier to find not just the last three or four articles that were published, but the last three or four articles about a given subject. You know, if you're more interested in the politics or more interested in stories about people or stories about the military, it's a little easier to find those things now. We tried to improve the search functionality um, and just tried to go for a little bit cleaner, more modern look. That all sounds great. Don Hagist, thanks again. <laughs> Thank you, Brady. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long. <laughs>